Welcome to the Bookwifery Podcast, a weekly podcast that helps you birth your book, your voice, and your audience through discernment, companionship, and guidance. I'm Christiane Squires, the founder of Bookwifery, and my mission is to help you birth books that heal the world with light. Welcome to the show. Hello, lovely. I am excited to be bringing you episode 15 this week of the Book Free podcast. We're going to talk today as a follow-up to last week's episode on the role that personal story plays in general nonfiction. So if you listened to last week's episode, episode 14, we talked about um, when to choose... Um, to write memoir versus general nonfiction, talked about the difference between kind of like the difference between being a, a storyteller and kind of a, um, you know, a, a tried and true writer, like of the most literary kind, which is what goes into writing memoir versus having um, life experience and story that kind of motivates you or propels you toward writing a book that is going to help other people more directly. Um, not to say, and I always make this disclaimer, not to say that memoir doesn't help people. They really Memoirs really do help people. They inspire us. They help us um, get brave. They give us, you know, they broaden our um, sense of the world and what's possible. So I, you know, Memoirs certainly help people, but their primary role is to tell a story and to invite us into the actual experience of the writer and what it is that they've lived through it through the lens of actual, you know, into their story um, versus general nonfiction, which can utilize story as a tool, um, but not to tell a narrative, not to just immerse us in story for a whole book so that we feel like we saw someone's life kind of rise and fall and uh, and then rise again. Um, it's really more story becomes a tool that is helpful in further teaching, educating, leading, guiding the reader in a particular direction. So if you haven't listened yet to episode 14 about when to choose memoir versus when to choose general nonfiction, um, I encourage you to go listen to that. But this is a follow-up, and I knew I was going to do this follow-up before I recorded the last episode um, about the role that personal story storytelling can can play in general nonfiction, Um, but it's been fun to get a um, a lot of messages from folks who listen to that episode and have said, I know I'm going to be writing general nonfiction, but um, I I still feel like, you know, my story has some part to play in that. Not really sure what that looks like. Um, So I wanted to talk about this anyway, but it's just been confirming to to hear from folks that are like, you know, I still want to be able to share my story, um, even though I know I'm not a memoirist. So we're going to talk about that today. And I just want to say how um, supportive and enthusiastic I am about you sharing your personal story in your general nonfiction book. I'm going to kind of unpack some of the reasons why that is a benefit to do that, why I would encourage you to do that, um, the role that it can play in your book, um, how it helps your your reader. Um, and I'm going to give a couple examples of what that can look like and hopefully get you to think about examples in your own reading experience where that has been done well and you found it helpful. So, okay, so hmm, where to go first? Let's see. <laughs> um, 
I think the first place I want to start is with Brene Brown's book, Rising Strong. Um, it's my favorite of all the books she's written. Um, it's, I think, her fourth book of five that she's written. Is that right? One, two, three, four, five. Yep. And her sixth book is coming out in October, I believe, about um, Dare to Lead. So I'm looking forward to that. But in her book, Rising Strong, when I started reading that book, um, I could not I could not put it down. Um And that's because of what happened at the beginning of the book. It wasn't the very beginning, but it was, you know, maybe about 15, 20 pages in. She tells this story of going swimming in the lake with her husband, Steve, while they were on vacation at this lake that's really special to their family. Um, And she's going out there in this experience and like really glad to be spending time with him and feeling really connected to him. And yet he is just kind of focused on the swim and kind of swim back and forth doing laps kind of thing and not really connecting with her at all. And she takes us into this experience where we get to hear all the thoughts that are running through her head. You know, why isn't he connecting with me? Why is he ignoring me? Why isn't he responding to me sharing with him how much I'm valuing this time with him? Does he think I'm ugly? Does he think that this is boring? This is stupid. Does he think I'm stupid? You know, like she's just going, she's running the gamut that we all do when we put ourselves out there in a relationship and they don't respond and we don't know what's going on. And then, you know, how that can even flip. It it can, it can be kind of like the self-shaming places that we go. um, And then the way we can flip that to start to shame the other person and like get really angry at them and blame them and uh, and and how this can fracture our relationships just in the blink of an eye because we don't understand what's happening. And I remember reading that story when I started reading that book and just feeling so compelled to keep reading. And I remember feeling like Brene had opened herself up to us in a way that was different than she'd done in her previous books. Now she is very honest, you know, especially in her t- her famous TED talks. She'll she's shared very vulnerable stories about um, shame spirals she's gone into, ways in which she has doubted the research that she's done in her own life, hasn't wanted to be vulnerable to uh, what the research was inviting her to do differently in her life. I mean, she's been very open about the way her research has affected her own life, um, and I've so appreciated that. <clears throat> but there was something about this story in Rising Strong at the beginning of Rising Strong that I felt like pushed it to another level. And it was that she led us into her marriage in a deeper way than she usually does. She led us into the kind of flood of thoughts that go down then down and down in a spiral um, in a way that was a little bit more vulnerable. She was talking about, you know, does it have to do with the way I look in my bathing suit? You know, like all these kinds of things that just made me feel this immediate like, whoa, my respect for her went up really high because she was willing to trust us with this really honest experience. And um, so I want to unpack that a little bit because this is a way in which personal storytelling in your book can be so helpful, even when you're writing general nonfiction. So Rising Strong for Brene and and her... her um, her category of writing, her genre of writing in general is, you know, general nonfiction. She writes to teach all of us. She wrote the gift, the gifts of imperfection, 
which was about the 10 pillars of, um, you know, kind of wholehearted living. And so every chapter was a different pillar and um, helps us think through what it means to live imperfectly, but vulnerably and connected and in a wholehearted way. And Daring Greatly was all about vulnerability and shame and um, connection. And, you know, what is what does the research tell us about what vulnerability really is? Um, Rising Strong is about that um, when we are vulnerable with our life and we live out there, open-heartedly, we will eventually fall. We will take hits. Um, We will fall on our face sometimes. And it's about that question of what are we going to do in that moment when we're on the ground? Are we going to get back up? What is it that we need in order to get back up? What happens when we're down on the ground? What kinds of things are going through our heart and our mind? Um, And so she is teaching us as a culture collectively so much. And it's like, I, I'm sure you feel, I mean, there's so many people I talk to here at Book With Free love Brene Brown. So I'm not, you know, expecting that any of this is a surprise to you to hear. But, um, you know, what I loved about Rising Strong in particular was, um, she, it, was it was almost like she doubled down on the value of storytelling. There's even a section at the beginning of the book where she talks about storytelling as a research practice or a research approach um, as a way to help us unpack findings. And even as she's gathering data for her research, you know, she's collecting stories. So um, it's really relevant to this conversation. She's kind of like a premier figure for us in our culture today of the of what general nonfiction can look like done well, um, leading a conversation, um, adding you know context, adding understanding to our to our awareness, our collective awareness, but doing it in a way that's very human, doing it in a way that inspires respect and um, followership. Um, and so, let's talk about what that story. That, that example of her story does for her reader. Um, one of the things that it did in that in that example was it gave us a framework for the teaching that was to come in the book. So she didn't know it at the time she was living it, but you know she eventually came to understand that what happened in that exchange with her and Steve, her husband, um, was kind of like the rising strong three-part movement in a nutshell. Um, She, you know, there's this three-part movement she teaches in Rising Strong about the reckoning, the rumble, and the revolution. And in that experience, she went through all three of those phases, and they went through them together. And so she uses this story at the beginning of the book to give us kind of a a picture of what this looks like, a framework for the teaching she's going to unpack in the book. Also, as I already mentioned, you know, the trust and the respect that I had for her as a reader just shot up like astronomically. Um, it was like the fact that she would trust us with something so intimate um, that it helped me know that she gets it. She's in it. Um, she knows this. She lives it. Um, and so for me as a reader, I felt like, okay, she's not just telling me information. She's not saying like, I did all this research and this is what we all need to collectively know about how to start again when we have fallen on our faces. <laughs> um, and so it was like, it helped me feel like for her, as the researcher, she knew what she was talking about. She not just because of the research, but because she's she's living it every day, even in these ordinary, seemingly ordinary moments when she's on vacation with her family and she goes for a swim in the lake with her husband. And so it helped me feel like I could trust her um, even more than if she had just shown me data. It helped me feel like, okay, she doesn't just know the information. She knows the information. It's in her. She's living it. And the respect I had for her that she would choose to go there with us. 
And then, you know, the other piece of it was, you know, she allowed us to see ourselves in her. So she's telling this story of, you know, how many um, of us know what it's like to have kind of a misfire in a relationship and like you're trying to put yourself out there and the other person doesn't quite receive it. They don't quite catch it. And so then it just puts you in this place of like self-doubt and shame and questioning and, um, you know, wanting to protect yourself and wanting to like blame the other person, like all the things that happen, you know, I just felt like when I was reading it, like, oh my gosh, I've so been there. I know what it's like to have that misfire in a conversation with someone. I know what it's like to feel like the bucket, the warm bucket of shame that goes over me that starts to look at everything I am and say like, is there a reason that I'm unlovable in this moment? Um, and so she allowed us at the beginning to really see ourselves in her story so that we felt like, okay, I'm buckling up because what she's writing about really is is something that connects to my own life. So um, I hope you can just see here how just from this one example, storytelling, especially at the beginning of a book, can be really powerful. It's a way to immediately draw the reader in. Like I said, I was glued to the, that story and I just wanted to keep reading and then find out what we can learn from that experience. Um, and it helps helps the reader feel like you know what you're talking about. Um, they can trust you. They have respect for you. You've lived it. Um, and they can also start to see themselves in you. Um, here's one thing that I feel like that is important to say here is that Brene knew the role that that story played in the book that she was writing when it came time for her to write the book. So when she was living it, she was just in it. She didn't know what was going on. She was so scared. She was so, um, you know, kind of flabbergasted and like at her end, you know, she didn't really know what to do. But, you know, she unpacks how it, I think it took several years for her to eventually realize what it was about that experience that was so powerful for her and then why it was so powerful for her research. And then there's all the time that then passes where she's still working out this framework of the three-part movement of Rising Strong. And so at the time it came time for her to write this book and and kind of lay the foundation of it for her readers, she had well processed that story up and down. Like it was it was it was really clear to her what had happened in that experience. And so when she was writing about it, it reads very intimate and vulnerable on the page. But she was not writing it from a place of um, you know, she would she she actually uh, makes a distinction between vulnerability and intimacy and it, that she she really encourages us to be vulnerable in the way that we live our lives but to share what's most intimate for the to reserve that for those who are kind of in our inner circle and have earned the right to be there and get those intimate places of us so i i use the word intimate that in terms of what she shared just because um i think because it touched a place in me that felt intimate you know when the way that i think about my body the way that i think about myself when i'm trying to connect with someone who might not quite catch what I'm trying to do in connecting with them. And so it felt really intimate. But when she was sharing it with her readers in the book, she wasn't in that place where it was like really raw and charged with emotion. And, um, you know, there were, she wasn't writing about it from a place of like, I didn't know, I don't know what this is about. I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. She had, she knew the role that it played in what she was going to unpack for her readers. So sharing, um, you know, sharing from a place of having, when you come, when it comes time for you to be writing your book and you're thinking about sh story, share, ugh, stories to share, <laughs> um, what are the stories that help 
your reader understand what it is you have to teach them in a way that makes it more real, more human, puts flesh on it, but doesn't feel like you're inviting them into something that's unprocessed. And this is probably, you know, goes without saying, but I did want to just point that out. So what is the role that story can play in your general nonfiction book? And I think there's several things that it can do. You can share stories from your own life as a way of, as I've already said, you know, sharing to establish relationship and trust with your reader. This is where the introductory chapter of your book becomes such a great meeting place for you and your reader. Usually the intro chapter or, you know, if you don't have an intro, chapter one is the place where your own personal storytelling plays a part in the book and your reader is getting introduced to you. I mean, that's the purpose of an introduction is to introduce you to the reader and to also introduce the content of the book and what's ahead. And so the story that's there that you bring in there, um, you know, it's it's helping your reader get to know who you are as the writer, what, what it is that the, that you have that is helpful to them. And so it's a, it's a place to establish trust. It's a place to help them know that you know what this is. Um, it, it's a place, again, where they can start to see themselves in you. So um, I also like it in the introductory chapter because it's a way of sharing with the reader what awaits them as they take the journey forward in this subject matter area that you're sharing with them. And so in this example, in saying this, one example that comes to mind is um, Richard Rohr in his book about the Enneagram. Um, he talks about how he first came to read how he first sorry how he first came to learn about the enneagram was in a meeting with his spiritual director um who had been steeped in enneagram wisdom and started to introduce him to that concept and it was he tells um he tells us in that book that it was almost like he flashed back through his whole life and his upbringing on, I think, a Kansas farm or farmland, um, you know, raised by a German mother, um, became a priest at a young age and helped establish a new community. And he, he starts to he shares some of his background as a lens through which what it's like to learn what your Enneagram number is <laughs> and how he just all of a sudden questioned everything he knew to be true about his motivations for every big decision in his life he had made um, or and why he was the way he was. And so what's what's helpful for the reader about that is, you know, number one, it get, gives us a feeling of like, who this author is, you know, I'm, I'm like feeling like I'm getting to know him. I'm getting to know some of his story. He's likable to me because he's being, being, you know, in a way vulnerable with us by saying I had this moment where I question every, the motivation behind every big decision I'd made. Like had I made the decision to even become a priest with pure motives, had I made the decision to establish a new community, um, with pure motives. And I didn't know if I had, um, it's like, wow, what an admission for a priest of all people to, to make on the page published in a book that other people are going to read. Um, and so I feel this sense of like respect and, um, and increasing trust in him. But also I felt like he did a great job with that story of helping the reader start to get, um, Acquainted with what getting to know the Enneagram and learning what your Enneagram number can is can be for you. It can create this uh, disorientation. It can cause a lot of questioning and disillusionment. Um, it can just like upend your sense of yourself and your history and your reality. And so it was a great way to prepare the reader for what can happen to you if you continue down this path of reading this book and learning this information. Um, so 
like I said, one one value of storytelling in general nonfiction is it starts to establish relationship and trust with the reader right from the get-go. But the second reason is that it can help the reader know what awaits them on their own journey through this content. Um, Another thing that storytelling can do for the reader is it helps to establish authority. Um, so through your storytelling, you know, where you're sharing from your own experience or expertise, um, places where you've utilized what it, what it is you're teaching in different contexts, where you've taught it, um, where others have trusted you with it, where you have helped others see and learn, um, it helps the reader trust your authority. Um, in general nonfiction, as you know, we define that as books that are, are are going to help people. You know, the reader is particularly caring about the background of the author. You know, we're going to go on a journey with someone in a book. We want to know that, that the person that is writing to us, whose words we're letting into our mind and our heart, and whose um, teaching and guidance we are allowing to inform what we do with our lives, we want to trust that person. We want to know that they know what they're talking about. We want to believe in their exp- experience and their expertise. And so the stories that you share can bolster that trust and that sense of authority that we put into you, that we we, we are like, okay, it's like a, a moment of um, like letting out a deep breath. Every time we encounter a story in, in a book by an expert in some way that helps us see that they know what they're talking about, it is yet another affirmation to the reader that they can continue to trust you, that you know what you're doing, that you know what you're talking about. So there is that. And then and also too in in the in the establishing authority piece is that inherent in that is that you're farther along the path than they are. And so you have something it's like you're a little bit further down the path and you're looking back at them and you're saying like come on, kept come this way and um let me tell you what to expect as you go. And there's this, again, it's a, it's a trust factor. It's like, okay, they, they know they've walked this path before. They've seen it. They are familiar with the terrain. They know how to invite me forward. They, they know how to prepare me for what's coming. Like there's all of this sense in which the person we are entrusting our minds and our hearts to as we read these books um, is, is worthy of that trust. And that is because they're further a- ahead than we are. So here is where, you know, general nonfiction as books that help people is, you know, just really the bare bones of it is that you know something (laughs) that others are needing to know, and you're writing a journey forward for them, a path forward for them. And it's a, it's giving them um, some kind of guardrails or, or a lane to, to follow down and you're being further along than them with your expertise is really helpful for them to rest in. And the stories that you share with them about that just continues to validate that trust. And then lastly is, you know, story t- stories in general nonfiction can be shared to teach, to teach concepts. It's, you know, that this is what puts flesh on a book. It's what makes a book really enjoyable to read is when there's real life stories that go along with it. Um, I have this picture in my mind of like a room full of like, this is such a stereotype, I know, because not all people in this category are like this, but just like if you were to see a movie made about like a whole room full of analysts or accountants or tax auditors or something like they're like picture a room of like 500 of them. And, you know, they're talking about the concepts of that analyst work, (laughs) whatever you would describe it, um, or this tax, you know, 
tax codes and things. And if they were just sharing like the details of what this is and, you know, there's a certain segment of the population that gets really um, geeked out on like just information for information's sake, like just wants that, you know, those facts and figures. And that like is exciting to them. Um, And so I would say like, if that's you, that you are just a straight facts and figures kind of person and you are not someone who needs like the kind of flesh flesh enfleshment of story to kind of um help other people understand it if you just feel like ah I just that's not me it feels like watering it down then my encouragement to you would be your audience is probably going to need to be the people that are like you out there that prefer just that kind of straight facts and figures kind of approach because I think that there are some folks who don't need the story stuff um they get really geeked out on just the information but for the majority of the population story is what brings ideas alive it puts flesh on it so in the pregnancy metaphor this is where I'm talking about like we're beyond the bones of information and we're putting you know organs in there we're putting flesh you know the skin is there it's soft it's like um got all these layers to it um so that's what stories do for your book is it brings more life um and they, they just help us understand, you know, when we hear an idea, like we can do the work in our head to like work ourselves around that idea. But often uh, the way that we're doing that in our own minds, if a story isn't given to us to help us understand it, is we're, we're attaching that idea to examples we have in our life, like that makes sense of that. Um, we have like this schema in our mind of d- lots of different things. And when we hear a new idea, we start to attach it to our understanding of you know, stories that we've lived or examples, memories. These are all stories, what's in our head. Um, So there's that way in which we already are looking to attach ideas to stories and experience. And your reader is going to do that if you aren't, you know, she's going to do that for herself. If you don't then give her stories to do, it's just kind of the way that we make sense of ideas and we start to learn new things as we attach it to what we already know. Um, The great thing about you sharing stories with her is that it broadens her own understanding standing beyond her own experience and stories that she knows. So, you know, we're only limited by the stories we know. So hearing other people's stories just blows that wide, wide open for us. It just expands our sense of, you know, what's out there, what's possible, what's, what's real, um, what's more. And so your stories help her grow and puts flesh on an idea in a way that, you know, a story allows her to enter into an experience of something and try to understand it by picturing what you're describing of a scene or of, of an encounter. And it's just like, it's helping her understand, it's paving the way for her understanding. So I'm a huge fan of using storytelling in general nonfiction, using your own personal story uh, stories in your general nonfiction book. So I want to be sure that you don't hear me saying that if you write general nonfiction instead of memoir, you can't share your own personal story. I'm, I'm such a fan of you doing that. It it bolsters the trust and the respect that your reader has for you and and the trust that they have in you. Um, It helps you establish a a relationship with them. It helps them know that you get it, that you've lived it, that you know what you're talking about. And and it helps them understand the ideas and the concepts that you're trying to communicate, whether the stories you share are yours or they are stories that you've encountered in the work that you do with other people, um, all of that. It just helps um, 
It just helps the the ideas become more real, more real, more full, easier to understand, easier to um, kind of wrap our heads around. So I just say that we want to be led by people who know how to take us where we want to go. Um, and that's really my hope for you and your work in your book and, and, and the work that you're doing in your audience cultivation efforts is that you're aware of what your reader is needing. Where is it that they're wanting to go? Where is it that you're wanting to take them? Um, what is it that you can, how can, what is it that you know that can bring them along that path? Um, that is what helps us feel like we want to follow someone. They know, they know the path. They're further along than us. They can help us understand it by, again, making the ideas palatable or understandable through story. Um, They've lived it. Um, so it's, you know, the need to trust you, the need and the desire to like you. And the storytelling is what helps all of that happen. So that's what I've got for you today. Hope it was helpful. And thanks as always for being here. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bookwifery podcast. Show notes for each episode can be found at bookwifery.com slash podcast. I'd love to connect with you beyond the show. You can subscribe to my birth notes newsletter at bookwifery.com slash notes, where I share further details behind each week's episode, plus updates on all things bookwifery. My favorite place to hang out online is Instagram. You can find me at Christiane underscore bookwifery or by searching bookwifery in the explore tab. And lastly, don't you just love this music? It's called Lights Dissolve and is produced by a musician named Elliot Middleton. Thanks again for listening.